0: Chapter 23 of Cripps the Carrier by Richard Doddridge Blackmore. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 23. Quite another pair of socks. Mr Overshoot had always been on good terms with Mrs Fermitage, his advanced ideas marching well with her political sentiments, so far as she had any. And upon a still more tender subject, peace and goodwill throve between them lady desired no better suitor for her niece than Russell Overshoot, and had labored both by word and deed to afford him fair opportunity. Moreover, it was one of her great delights, when time went heavily for her, to foster a quiet little fight between young Russell and his mother. Those two, though filled with the deepest affection and admiration for each other, could scarcely sit half an hour together without a warm argument rising. The late Mr. Overshoot had been for years a knight of the shire, and for some few months a member of the Tory government, and this conferred on his widow, of course, authority paramount throughout the county, upon every political question. How great, then, was her indignation to find subversive and radically erroneous principles coming up, where none but the best seed had been sown. Three generations ago there had been a very hasty overshoot but he had been meted with his own measure, and his balance struck upon the block. This had a wholesome influence on the family. While they remembered it, and child after child had been brought up with the most correct opinions, but here was the young head of the house with a stiff neck, such as used to be adjusted in a nick upon Tower Hill. Mrs. Overshoot therefore spent much of her time in lamenting and the rest in arguing. For none of these things Mrs. Fermitage cared. With her the idea of change was free. She had long rebelled against her brother's dictation of the Constitution and believed they were rogues, all the lot of them, as her dear good husband used to say. Poor Twine went too far when he laid down this law for the females. Without a particle of ill-meaning he did a great deal of mischief. Now Mrs. Fermitage sat well up in a chair that had been newly stuffed, She was very uncomfortable, and it made her cross. Because she was a good-sized woman, she kept on turning, but all for the worse. And her mind was uneasy at her brother's house. The room was gone dark, and the lights going down, while Miss Mary Hookham was reveling in the mansion of the carrier. Nobody cared to hurry for the sake of anybody else, of course, and Mrs. Fermitage could not see what the good of all her money was. The lady was all the more vexed with others because her own conscience was vexed with her, and as Overshoot came with his quick, firm step she spoke to him rather sharply. "'Well, Russell Overshoot, there was a time when you would not have left me to sit in this sad way by myself all the evening, but that was when I had pretty faces near me. I must not expect such attentions now.' "'My dear Mrs. fermitage I had no idea that you were even in the house. The good squire sent me a very nice dinner, but you did not grace it with your presence. And for a very good reason, Russell, I have on my mind an anxiety which precludes all idea of eating. Oh, Mrs. Fermitage, never say that. You have been brought up too delicately. Russell, I believe that is too true. The world has conspired to spoil me. I seem to be quite in a sad position entirely for the sake of others. Now look at me, Russell, and just tell me what you think. Overshoot always obeyed a lady in little things of this kind. He looked at Mrs. Fermitage, which really was a pleasant thing to do, and he thought to himself that he never had seen a lady of her time of life more comfortable, nicely fat, and thoroughly well-dressed and fed. My opinion is— he proceeded with a very pretty salaam and smile, that you never looked better in your life, ma'am, and that is a very great deal to say. "'Well, Russell, well,' she answered, rising in a good old fashion and curtseying. "'your opinions have not spoiled your manners. Whatever your dear mother may say, you always were a very upright boy, and you always say exactly what you think. This makes your opinion so valuable.' I shall shake off ten years of my life, but I really was quite low-spirited and down at heart when you came in. I fear that I have not quite acted for the best, entirely as I meant to do so. You remember that horrible state of things nearly two months ago, and my great distress at the time of that wretched inquest? Yes, you were timid, as well you might be. It was not only that— but the weather was so cold that I scarcely knew what I was doing at all. Hard weather is to me as it is to a plant, a delicate fern or something. My circulation no longer is correct, even if it goes on at all. I scarcely can answer for what I am doing when they put me into cold rooms and bitter drafts. I feel that the organs of my face are red, and that everyone is looking at me, and then— "'such a tingle begins to dawn through the whole of my constitution "'that to judge me by ordinary rules is barbarous and iniquitous.' "'To be sure, to be sure,' answered Overshoot, "'laying one finger on his expressive nose, "'and wondering what was next to come. "'Yes, and that is the manner in which justice is now administered. "'The canal was frozen, and the people of the inn "'grudged a quarter of a hundredweight of coal.' These people at the yards had put it up so that it would have been wrong to encourage them. I had ordered my own stumps to be burned up, and the flower-baskets, and so on, anything rather than order coals, until the swindling dealers came down again, and the coroner sided with the price of coals because he had three topcoats on. The jury, however, with their teeth all chattering, wanted only to be done and go, They were only too glad when any witness failed to answer when called upon, and having all made up their minds outside, they were shivering to declare them. I speak now from what I heard afterwards. You speak the bare truth, Mrs. Fermitage. You have the best authority. The foreman is your chimney-sweep. Yes, and that made him feel the cold the more. But you should see him on a Sunday, Russell." He is so respectable, and his nails so white. I will not listen to a word against him, and he valued my custom on his oath he did. What verdict does Mrs. desire? he asked, and he made all the rest go accordingly. Nobody knows what they might have sworn without a clever man to guide them. Of course, what can you expect? But still, you have something new to tell me? Well, Russell, new or old, here it is and you must bear in mind how I felt, and what everybody was saying. In the first place, then, you must remember that there was a great deal said about a pair of my silk stockings. Now I shrank particularly from having an intimate matter of that sort made the subject of public gossip. It was neither becoming, nor ladylike, to drag little questions of my wardrobe into the eye of the nation so. "'Already it was too much to know that a pair of such articles had been found bearing my initials. "'Most decidedly I refuse, and I am sure any lady would do the same, "'to go into a hard cold witness-box, under the eyes of some scores of males, "'proclaim my complicity with such things. "'If I had seen it my duty, I would have endeavoured to conquer my feelings.' "'But, of course, I took all for granted "'that everything was too clear already, "'and my dear brother. "'I thought of him, "'and thought of every one except myself. "'Could I do more, Russell Overshoot?' "'Indeed, my dear madam, "'I do not see how. "'You would have come forward if necessary, "'but you did not see any necessity. "'Much more than that. "'There was much more than that. "'There was my duty to my brother, "'stronger than even to my niece.' He is getting elderly, and for me to be printed as proving anything against his daughter would surely have been too much for him. He looked to me so for consolation and some one to say kind words to him, that to find me in evidence against him might have been his death-blow. No consideration for myself or my own feelings had the weight of a rose-leaf with me. In the breach I would have stood, if I had followed my own wishes, but my duty was to curb myself.' "'You are following me, Russell, carefully?' "'Word for word as you say it, madam, "'so far as my poor wits allow. "'Very well, then. "'I have made it quite clear. "'That is the beauty of having to explain to clever people.' "'Thank you for the compliment,' replied Overshoot with a puzzled look. "'But I have not earned it, "'for I cannot see that you have told me anything "'that I did not know some weeks ago. "'It may be my stupidity, of course.' but i thought that something had occurred quite lately oh yes to be sure it was only today i meant to have told you that first of all i was grossly insulted but i am so forgiving that i had forgotten it quite forgotten it until you happened to speak of it a peculiarly insolent proceeding on the part of poor mrs sharp it appears or perhaps someone for her for everybody says that she really now has no mind of her own. She did not write me one single line, although I had written politely to her, and she sent me a message. I am sure of it. Too bad to be repeated. No one would tell me what it was, which aggravates it to the last degree. I assure you I have not been so upset for years, or at any rate not since poor Grace was lost. "'and about that, unless I am much mistaken, "'that very low, selfish, and plotting person "'knows a great deal more than we had ever dreamed. "'It would not surprise me in the least, "'especially after what happened to-day, "'to find Mrs. Sharp at the bottom of all of it. "'At any rate, she has aroused my suspicion "'by her contemptible insolence, "'and I am not the person to drop a thing.' "'Why, what has she done?' asked Overshoot once more while, in spite of impatience, he could scarcely help smiling at poor Mrs. Fermitage's petty wrath and frequent self-contradiction. What she did was this. She sent me back not even packed in nice white paper, not even sprinkled with eau de cologne, not even washed—what do you think of that? But rolled up anyhow in brown paper the same as a drayman would use for his taps. Oh, Russell, would you ever believe it! "'Certainly it seems very unpolite. "'But what was it she sent back to you? "'Not even the article I expected, "'not even that ingredient of costume "'which I had lent poor Gracie. "'Very nice and pretty ones, "'but an old grey pair of silken hose, "'disgraceful even to look at. "'It is true that they bear my initials, "'but I had discarded them long ago. "'What a strange thing!' "'cried Overshoot, flushed with quick excitement. "'How reckless we were at the inquest! "'We had made up our minds without evidence "'on the mere faith of coincidence. "'And you, you have never taken the trouble "'to look into this point until now? "'And now, perhaps quite by accident, "'we were told that you had recognized the stockings, "'and it turns out that you never even saw them. "'It is strange and almost wicked negligence.' I have told you my motives, I can say no more, exclaimed Mrs. Fermitage, with her fine fresh color heightened by shame or anger. Of course, I felt sure. Who could fail to do so? That the stockings found with my name on them must be the pair I had lent my niece. It seemed almost absurd that I should have to see them. It was more than my nerves could bear, and the coroner was not so unmanly as to force me. Prayed. "'Did you go and see everything, sir?' "'Mrs. Fermitage, "'I am the very last person "'who has any right to reproach you. "'I failed in my duty "'far more than you in yours. "'In a man, of course, "'it was a thousand times worse. "'There is no excuse for me. "'I yielded to a poor, "'unmanly weakness. "'I wished to keep my memory "'of the poor dear "'as I had seen her last.' I should have considered that the poor frail body is not our true identity. Quite so, of course, and therefore what was the use of your going to see it? No, no, you behave very well, Russell Overshoot, and so did I, if it comes to that. Nobody can be quite blameless, of course, and we are told in the Bible not to hope for it. If we all do our duty according to our inner lights and so on, the apostle can say no great harm of us. "'in his rudest moment to the ladies.' "'Let us settle that we have both done our best,' "'said Russell very sadly, "'knowing how far from the truth it was, "'but seeing the folly of arguing. "'And now will you tell me "'what made you send for those silk ingredients of costume "'so suddenly, and then show them to me? "'With pleasure, dear Russell. "'You understand me when no one else has any sympathy.' I sent for them, or at least for what I fully expected, to be the ones, because an impertinent young woman, foolishly trusted with very good keys, gave me notice to go last evening. Of course she will fly before I have a chance of finding how much she has stolen. They all take very good care to do that. And knowing what the spirit of the age is, dress, dress, falals, ribbons, heels in the air, and so on, I made up my mind to have a turn out today and see how much they had left me. No man can imagine and scarcely any woman all the vexations I had to go through. Five pair and a half of silk hose were missing, as well as a thousand more important things, and they all backed up one another. They stood me out to my face that I never had more than eight pair of the Christchurch Tom stockings, excuse me for being so coarse, my dear, "'whereas I had got the receipt for twelve pair "'from the man that sold them with the big Tom Bells "'on immediately above the instep. "'I happened to remember that I had lent my darling Gracie "'pair number twelve, numbered as all of them were, downright, "'and so to confound those false-tongued hussies "'I came over here in search of them, "'finding that they were not here, "'for the lawyers, of course, steal everything.' I was not going to be beaten, so I sent as polite a letter as, after her shameful rudeness any lady could write, to Mrs. Sharp, a poor woman who expected every halfpenny of my dear husband's savings, how far she deserves them, you have seen to-day, and sooner would I burn myself like a sooty widow, with all my goods evaporating." "'than ever leave sixpence for her to clutch "'after such behaviour. "'Russell, you will remember this. "'You are my executor.' "'My dear Mrs. Fermitage, "'I pray you in no way to be excited. "'We have not heard all of the story, "'and we know that the servants who are of a faithful kind "'exaggerate slights to their masters. "'It was one of the squire's old servants who went. "'Your own would, perhaps, have known better.' "'But now may I see the things Mrs. Sharp sent you? "'You may, and you may take them if you like, "'or rather I should say that I beg you to take them. "'They ought to be in your custody. "'Will you oblige me by taking them, Russell, "'and carefully inspecting them? "'For that, of course, you must have daylight. "'Take them in the paper just as they came, "'and keep them until I ask for them.' They can be of no importance because they are not what I lent to Gracie. Except for my name on them, I am sure that I never could have remembered them. They were darned in the days when I was poor. How often I wished that I still were poor. Then nobody wanted to plot against me, and even to steal my stockings. Oh, Russell, do you think they have murdered my darling because she was to have my money? No, I think nothing of the kind.' I believe that our darling Gracie is alive, and I believe it tenfold since I saw these things. I am not very old in the ways of the world, and my judgment has always been wrong throughout. But my faith is the same as the grand old squire's, though forty years of life behind him. I firmly believe that, blindly as we ourselves have managed everything, all will be guided aright for us, and happiness even in this world come because though we have done no great good, we have done harm to no one, and the Lord in heaven knows it. Also, he knows that we trust in him so far as the trouble allows us. Very well, I will take these stockings home. You shall hear from me on Monday. I believe that our grace is alive, and God will enable me to deliver her. Please him, I will never leave off till then. The young man looked so grand and strong in his faith and truth and righteousness that the elderly lady said no word but let her eyes flow and kissed him. He placed the stockings in an inner pocket carelessly wrapped in their paper and he rode home apace to please his mother and having a cold on him from all his weddings he perspired freely and at every stretch of his galloping horse he was absorbing typhus fever. End of chapter 23